All right, let's be real. What has been the hardest thing about your pregnancy and postpartum journey? Is it the postpartum painful sex that nobody talks about? What are you supposed to do with that? Is it the fact that you might have torn during delivery and you have no idea how to heal now that you're in postpartum? Welcome to the Onus Podcast, where we bring on mothers, parents, and pregnant postpartum individuals to talk about their journey and their experiences to give that knowledge back to people that need it. And we are also attached to the theonuscollaborative.com, which is a free online educational directory where we help moms and parents connect to maternity care providers in their local area. We are here to give the power back to you guys so you have a choice in your journey. We'll have space for midwives, doulas, pelvic floor PTs, massage therapist. And as we continue expanding, we hope that we can support you. All right. We hope you enjoy this podcast. Hey guys, welcome back to the Onus podcast. My name is Erin and I'm the founder of the Onus Collaborative. So welcome. This week has been a lot better than last week. I haven't really fully shared about what's going on in my life, but just going through something really hard and just doing a check-in for any of you guys out there that are going through something really difficult that you can't really be open with. It's hard and I'm there with you and I hope that you have support that you can get. I'm hoping to go into therapy very, very soon, so we will see. (laughs) But this week we have an awesome podcast with Ayan, who is from Canada. She's going to be talking to us about her pregnancy and postpartum experience with both of her sons. And we are so excited to have her on. She is currently in postpartum, so we are so thankful for her to come on and share her experience and make time for us. So we hope you all enjoy. So my name is, I have two names, so Mariam Ayad, and um, like people just choose which one they want to call me. So I'm a stay-at-home mom right now. I do have uh, two boys that were mine, and then I have a bonus daughter that is 11 years old. I'm currently living in Toronto, Canada. Uh, Not for long. I'm actually moving back to be close to my family in a few months, so that's exciting. Cool. And where are you originally from? Uh, my background? Oh, like when you're moving back to see family. Oh, yeah. I'm from Ottawa. So Ottawa is like five hours away from Toronto. And oh, okay. my entire family lives in Ottawa. But I moved here after I got married just because my husband had his daughter. Like they were both living here. He had full custody of her. So we didn't want to change too much for her. And I just figured it'd just be easier for me to move to Toronto. So she kept the same school and kept the same friends. Mm. But now we are overdue. (laughs) And now I'm assuming moving back to Ottawa would be super supportive for your family. Like getting family to stay at home. Yeah. Also, like just for the kids to have their cousins there, right? Like for me, it's like, I'm not one to really ask for help anyways. Like, I just like doing things on my own, even if I'm exhausted. Like, I feel like just me and my husband should just get it done and not involve anybody else. But it's just, it's mostly for the kids. Ever since this pandemic started, like, it got us thinking a lot, realizing that we're, we don't have family here, right? So it just makes it hard for us to always be locked in, like, inside the two-bedroom apartment and it's just not easy for us so I figured at least if we're closer to family we can do outdoors activity with them Mm. and it would just be be fun for the kids how have you been doing with COVID I didn't realize you were in a two-bedroom apartment I cannot imagine having three kids in a two-bedroom apartment it's been a struggle like I swear like I feel like every day I try to like find something positive about it but 
the longer we're in uh, in the lockdown, the harder it is because like my husband is a supervisor. So he has a lot of meetings like every, like all day. Right. And then I have my uh, daughter that's also in school. And then my toddler who has so much energy, it's so hard to contain it all like in a two bedroom. So, and then I have a five month old who's also just like on his own time. So if he wants to scream, he's just going to go ahead and scream. <laughs> right? it's, it's been hard because I feel like most of it falls on me just because I have to kind of deal with everybody and just making sure that everybody is like getting like I guess for my husband to get his work done in a somewhat quiet environment and also think about my toddler who needs to kind of um, have things to do where he can like use that energy on but all of it is has to be done in a two-bedroom so it's a struggle like I'm not even gonna lie I feel like every morning I wake up and I'm dreading um, like, how many meetings do you have? Like, do you have a lot of meetings today? Like, can we cut down to some? Maybe you could go in the car and do some. It's It's been hard. Yeah, no, I can imagine. And so in Toronto, were you able to leave your home or did Toronto lock down? No, Toronto's locked down. Like, they're, really? the lockdown is basically now they're thinking of giving us a curfew. Oh. So the only things open are necessities, right? And even if we were to go take a walk outside, the weather is pretty cold and it's not going to be ideal because then everybody's just going to get sick. Yeah. Okay. So Toronto, sorry, I think this is one thing I've really noticed since living in Australia. It's hard mm-hmm. for me to fathom what other countries are going through. It's even like I'm from the U.S. and my family's in the U.S. And yeah. so I think because in Australia, I think we have maybe what, like a hundred active cases. So we can pretty much travel anywhere we want. And so okay. it's really hard to fathom what it would be like being stuck in a city that's been locked down for so long, especially with kids. Yeah, it's it's not easy, I swear. Like, I feel like it's a constant um, struggle just because we are all like, we do have to also deal with our, like, we have to take care of our own mental health. Mm-hmm. And we have to make sure that we are doing things to kind of like, stay in a positive environment, especially for the kids sake, like, it could be hard on us, and then that will reflect back on them. Mm-hmm. So it's, it hasn't been easy. Like, I think things opened up a little bit um, at the end of last year. And the hardest thing was that actually going to sort of something like going back to our norm just a little bit, just like 50%. And then that being taken away all over again, that was the hardest thing for us Mm -hmm. because the kids were now able to go into indoor trampolines and like we were able to do some activities like go eat at a restaurant just as long as we were social social distancing and wearing our masks. So we were excited because it makes you think, oh, things are about to get back to normal. And then all of a sudden it's complete lockdown and that hit hard for me anyways like mentally like for me it was extremely hard because I was looking forward to being able to do more outdoors things with the kids which Mm. I used to do a lot of before yeah well yeah yeah, to keep kids entertained you have to get them out out of the house I was a nanny and I only (laughs) nanny for maybe like six hours a day and I knew if I didn't get that kid out of the house within the first two hours that day wasn't going to go that great so I, yeah, I'm, that's incredibly difficult. And is, is your daughter, so I'm assuming kids aren't in school. They're being, doing school from home. 
Well, yeah, I, like for her, she was home, like, we decided to go with the option from home from the beginning, mm-hmm. like from September to January, kids were actually at school. But because I had a newborn, I was very scared. Oh, yeah. And we just for our family, it was just better for her to stay at home. It was an easy decision again, because she is now losing a little bit of the social life that she would have had mm-hmm. at school. Mm-hmm. Right. But I mean, we just had to do whatever was comfortable for us because I was just scared for the baby. Like, I was very nervous about that. So, absolutely, yeah. that's totally understandable. So, I, I hope that you get to move home soon and get that extra support. Yeah. And and how is Ottawa? Is Ottawa in lockdown? Ottawa is also in lockdown. Um, they're they don't have as many cases as Toronto, but um, they're locked down they're kind of looking like it's going to end pretty soon um like certain areas are open but not everything you know so I don't know I feel like Ottawa has like better chance of things opening up sooner than Toronto because Mm -hmm. not only is Toronto a big city but I feel like it's kind of hard to get everybody to comply to like make sure that everybody wears their masks Mm -hmm. like I live in a building so like sometimes I'm using the elevator and someone in there won't even have their mask on, but I have kids. So I end up waiting like a long time for the next elevator, but I'd rather do that than get on that elevator with the person without the mask. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. How frustrating. Yeah. Yeah. I know. <laughs> Sorry. Been yeah. All right. Well, I didn't realize that you had just had Zaid in September. So you had your baby during COVID. Yeah. So basically, okay. Uh, Zian is my five-month-old and Zaid is my two-year-old. So Zaid is the one that I had the, um, the gestational diabetes. Okay, so Zayad is your five-month-old. Yeah, Zian is my five-month-old. So okay. um, the pregnancy with the high risk was my first, uh, which was Zaid. Yeah. Yeah. But you still had a baby during COVID. What was that like? I did. I did. <laughs> and it was so scary. I feel like just like both my pregnancies were so eventful mm-hmm. right yeah. like with um with Zian I actually gave I was in, in Ottawa visiting family when we went in lockdown which was sort of good because I was with already with my family mm-hmm. so I decided to give birth there but then again like when you when you give birth and you're just like going through hormonal changes like I would have just preferred to be in my own home in my own environment where I was just more comfortable Mm. so that was the hard part but we came back like after one month of having him because again things were starting to open up so we're like okay I think it's safe for us to travel home now instead of risking another lockdown okay and was your husband able to be in the room or is that something that you did yeah yeah he was able to uh it just worked out to be honest with you because um I was I went into the hospital and he waited in the parking lot but I kind of waited until my contractions were like really close because they said that if I was at four the moment I got to four centimeters that they would give me a room and allow my spouse to come in um but I just didn't want to risk because if you went in there before you were four centimeters dilated they would send you back home they would tell you okay we'll go back home and come back when you feel like things are progressing but for me I just waited out and then by the time I went I was already four dilated so my husband was in the parking lot I texted him to come up and then they called downstairs to give his name and his information Mm. and then he was allowed to come in 
So we stayed upstairs. We just stayed in the same like room until I delivered. Yeah, so it kind of worked out. That that was easy for us. Yeah, that's really good. I'm glad that he was able to be there. Yeah, uh, <laughs> me too. <laughs> me too. Yeah. Um, so then we will talk about your pregnancy with Zaid and you actually experienced preeclampsia during this pregnancy. So I would love for you to just tell us a bit about that and yeah, your story. All right. So, um, yeah, so when I first got pregnant of the of Zaid, like I was super excited, right? First pregnancy, everything is like new to you and you're like, oh, this is going to be awesome. And then within my first appointment, like with my doctor, maybe second, by the second appointment, I was put on baby aspirin uh, because they, she did mention that I was having, um, I was at risk for uh, preeclampsia and I also had high blood pressure. So she didn't want to risk anything. And then, um, so a few appointments after, so I was noticing that my hands and my feet were more swollen than usual. Mm. And um, I wasn't able to put my my um, wedding ring on or anything like that, right? So what was happening at that point, I didn't know what it was. Again, I wasn't sure what was happening. And when I went for my appointment and I got diagnosed with gestational diabetes is when everything kind of unraveled because they were like, okay, well, you have preeclampsia and like, you're going to have to make sure that you're not consuming a lot of salt and you're just walking like after every meal that you go for a 20 minute walk and you just try to kind of get the blood flowing. Right. Mm. And yeah. So at that point, um, I think the worst part of it all was the fact that my shoes didn't fit me anymore so my feet were swollen so bad that like luckily it was summer and I was actually going to work with flip-flops and everybody at work was making fun of me because they're like oh my god your flip-flops and I'm like yeah but there's nothing else that fits me right now right and like it was to the point where like if you like pressed like down on it your your finger left a dent in my feet yeah so it's pretty bad um and the other thing that I was also I kind of experienced closer to the um, closer to the end of my pregnancy was I was having aches in my fingers where at night when I'm sleeping like I couldn't like my hands would just stay like I couldn't bend them right and they were hurting really bad like it would wake me up from sleep like because I wasn't able to feel my my fingers and I don't know if that was all related or not, but to me, it just seemed like it was because, um, yeah, it just, it just seemed like it was all related. And for uh, the gestational part of it, and so for the for me being di- diagnosed with gestational diabetes, I already have a history of diabetes in my family. So I was like, okay, maybe this has something to do with it. But I later on found out that that's not, that has nothing to do with it like anybody can be diagnosed with just you just have a higher chance mm. but um so luckily I didn't have to take insulin but I went they sent me to a course where I had to kind of learn how to take my my sugar levels mm. and what level was right and how to keep it uh, like at a perfect level which was they just gave me a bunch of like meal plans to follow and what foods to avoid so what I was doing was I was taking my sugar levels after every single meal. And I was at this point, I was eating like three meals and two snacks. So after every meal, I was taking my sugar levels and I had to like fill up a report for that week saying what I ate 
if I went for a walk and what my sugar levels were at. And every week I had to send that in via email. So what they would do is they would check it out. And if they felt like I needed to come back in, then they would tell me to come back in. Wow. So, So, yeah. (laughs) So at this point, you have preeclampsia and gestational diabetes. Yeah, I had both. I had both. Um, Like uh, the gestational part was just more of like, it was hard for me because I had to keep track of everything all the time, whether I was at work, whether I was out, it's like kind of just always writing down what you ate. So I used my notepad, like my notes and my phone a lot. And I just had to be mindful of it. I also had, I don't know what the condition was called because I think it was very, it was a very long, complicated medical term that I completely forgot about, but I had an issue where my placenta wasn't providing all the nutrients to my baby, whereas the yeah so they were scared that he would stop growing that the growth would stop or like regress so I was getting ultrasound every two weeks Wow, it was a lot (laughs) for like a first pregnancy it was a lot (laughs) yeah and so from there I had to basically um kind of luckily my manager was amazing like god bless her she was just like the most understanding the most patient and she's like anything you need just let me know if you need because my my hospital was closer to my home so it's five minutes from my home and I was working about 45 minutes away from my home at that point so the days where I had the ultrasounds she would just let me work from home which made things a lot easier and kind of helped me uh not stress too much on that aspect of things but I was it was it was a lot like I think I was like I was really stressed out. Like I was up at night and I was just like the worst case scenario is playing in your head and you're like, okay, well, I don't know what all this means. And once you go into a doctor's appointment, they give you just like a general I, information. It's never like detailed. It's, it's not, it's not like, oh, this could happen. It's, oh, I don't know why they, I feel like they always just tell you the worst case scenario, <laughs> right? Yeah. So that wasn't, again, that doesn't make things easier. But uh, yeah, I was very stressed. I swear, I think it was like the hardest time of of my entire adult life Yeah, for me. Yeah. And, and so you had high blood pressure before you were pregnant? No, I, it came like, basically they gave me the baby aspirin because they were scared of it developing and that they would miss it. Right. So what they would what they did is they just gave me the baby aspirin to help with the placenta, like the blood flow of the placenta. And also to if while during sorry, during delivery, if anything were to come up, then I was already preventing it by taking baby aspirin. Okay, so you Um, didn't have high blood pressure before they were just doing like precautions. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, they were just scared. They were just trying to like, I guess, cover everything. And then you ended up dealing with several different issues. Yeah, I know. I swear, I felt like every single appointment I went into was just like bad news. Like every single one of them. It was to the point where I would, I was dreading even going. I didn't, I'd rather just like not find out, you know? Yeah. Well, so, like you said earlier that you spent a lot of time on Google trying to understand what all of these were and what that meant. Do you feel like you're, did you have an OBGYN? I did I did but like the appointments uh sorry go ahead 
Oh, no, it's okay. I was just wondering, do you feel like the OBGYN supported you or your OBGYN supported you properly when it came to dealing with those issues and reassuring you what your pregnancy journey would look like? Not really. Yeah. Like, I just, like, I just feel like, like, she, obviously, maybe to the best of her ability, but it didn't ease my mind. Um, it wasn't like something that I went home feeling like, okay, you know what, this is, this is okay. Like, it happens. I didn't feel like that at all. I just felt like, oh my God, I'm going to lose my baby. And like, what did I, like, is this something I did? And like, what can I do in the future to avoid bad news again at a doctor's appointment? But I didn't feel like at ease. And I feel like uh, for my second pregnancy, that's the reason why I decided I wanted to go with a midwife because I've heard a lot of great things about it. And like people are like, oh, they're very like compassionate and they're very like in tune with everything you need in that moment. So I was like, you know what? I'm, I'm going to go for that for the second pregnancy. And how did your second pregnancy go? Oh, a lot better. It's crazy because the one thing that... I did read on Google and that the doctors did tell me is that if I did have a preeclampsia or gestational with the first pregnancy, then the recurrence was higher. Yeah. But it wasn't actually like my second pregnancy. I was also put on baby aspirin for my second pregnancy. Again, I think it was just for like to prevent anything, mm -hmm. um, but it was just smooth sailing. Like I was so grateful because it was easy. Like he was on the growth chart everything was just going accordingly uh with Zian and that was in a way I needed that because I also now I had two other kids that I was taking care of which was mm. my daughter and my son so I I was so scared that I would have to go back to tracking my intake and taking my sugar levels because that was a lot with the first pregnancy and I didn't have a baby to take care of yeah. so I'm just glad that it worked out <laughs> this time yeah I'm so glad that you had such a better second experience around yeah. what yeah. do you did they ever say what they thought made the difference between your first pregnancy and second pregnancy because you're right when you do the research it says that your chances of getting it again are much higher in the second pregnancy they didn't say they were surprised as well like because I feel like um because I was giving birth in Ottawa then the, the OBGYN that I found there got transferred all my information from my other like my my previous OB, uh, doctor right mm. and she was like oh this is amazing right like oh usually she's explaining to me that I did have a higher chance of everything just happening again but it didn't I don't know what it was maybe a miracle I don't know maybe God heard my prayers but <laughs> it didn't it was just easy it was just no trouble whatsoever like even the delivery I like pushed for like 20 minutes and it was just done and I was like thank God that's incredible and with yeah. um Zaid did you have did you do a vaginal birth or did you have to have a c-section no I did a vaginal birth so what they ended up doing is inducing me because he was regressing he wasn't growing anymore so they said sometimes babies just grow better when they come out Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay, but at that point, I didn't know the details of anything. I think it's also because maybe they just didn't want to scare me or worry me too much. So what happened was I ended up getting induced at like 10 a.m. in the morning. And I had him 2.15 a.m. the next day. Okay. That was a long labor and delivery yeah. for me. <laughs> Um, but as soon as like the next day my doctor came and she was just like oh yeah like you had you almost lost him 
because because at that's at this point my ultrasounds weren't every two weeks anymore they were actually happening every week mm. so from the from my last ultrasound to the following one the next week he he uh regressed a lot like a drastic amount so they induced me literally the next so as soon as I finished that ultrasound like I didn't even leave the room and the technician was like okay well you need to go see your OBGYN like right now so I left that appointment and went straight into my OBGYN's uh, office and as soon as she got the results she's like okay we're inducing you tomorrow morning wow pretty much from the minute you told you were told you had preeclampsia this entire pregnancy was just like stress and fear Oh yeah, it was. I swear, it was like the hardest. And I, I deal with, um, like I deal with that stuff very, very differently. Like I don't know. I, I think maybe a lot of people are like this, but I just, I, I just avoid talking about it because I felt like every doctor's appointment, usually with your first baby, your family's like, "How did it go? How was it?" Right. Mm-hmm. So I just avoided even telling them when my doctor appointments were because. I was like so broken down and I was in a place where I'm trying to gain knowledge on everything that's going on with me, but there's just too much to keep up. Yeah. Right. And yeah, it was really hard. And I knew that like mm-hmm. for my family, for them to find out every single detail of it in that moment, them stressing and worrying would impact me even more. Mm-hmm. So I just felt like, let me just keep it between me and my husband for now and only tell them if there's a reason to. Yeah. yeah. That must have been incredibly hard as well. Like neither oh. way you go, it would have been hard. Yeah, it it wasn't easy. I swear. I think I like cried myself to sleep almost every night and just praying to God that like things just got easier. That you know there was a turn around somewhere where the next doctor's appointment, everything was just gone away and the baby was fine. But because everything everything that would go on in my head was like, oh my God, it's been like two hours. He didn't move right mm-hmm. what's going on and I, w- I actually ended up going to the emergency room a couple of times just because I didn't feel a kick in like 45 minutes but that's just because I was on high alert yeah and I was like okay well they're telling me that he's gonna regress so what if he regresses while I'm sleeping at night and I don't notice I don't do the counts the kick counts so I was just I was in a fog the whole pregnancy it was but he came out like he came out small but now you see him and he's like a little toddler troublemaker and <laughs> that just makes me happy because I'm just like at least you're here you know it's okay like I'll take your headache I'll take your troubles it's fine I'll deal with it <laughs> yeah. um, after you gave birth how was everything from there on with you so, and with him uh, with me I had baby blues I had severe baby blues like I didn't know it was baby blues again at that moment until like I searched up a little bit on it and um I had I also had uh, separation anxiety because he was so small when he was like he was small when he was born Mm -hmm. that I felt like I constantly had to be there feeding him right on cue Mm -hmm. and like I tried breastfeeding and there wasn't like I wasn't like there's just so much misinformation I feel like for first-time pregnancies especially like maybe just in my community I don't know but for me I didn't know that milk takes time to come in I thought it was like right away so I was trying to breastfeed and this wasn't happening and with my baby blues I almost felt like I was depressed yeah but 
my husband was really hands-on and he helped me a lot like it's like he was just there and that support alone made such a difference for me because I was able to be like okay well I'm not alone in this like I have someone going through it with me and like he's aware he's there and like any if he needed to call in sick from work like he would like say okay I'm gonna work from home and there were times where because he wasn't able to take uh, paternity leave so what he had he only had a week so when he went back to work there were days where he would just come home earlier and those days like I felt better because I had I didn't feel alone I was scared to be alone with my son because I felt like maybe I would do something where I would fail him like maybe he would need something in that moment and I wouldn't know what to do Mm -hmm. so I was very scared to be alone and I went to the emergency room like quite a few times because I felt you know that first baby scare everyone experiences yeah. Mine was just heightened because of everything I went through during my pregnancy. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, that's really hard. I'm glad that your husband was so supportive, though, and was able to be there for you. you... Oh, yeah, it made a world of a difference. In Canada, um, when was your first appointment again with your OB? Um, my first appointment, like when I, when I was pregnant? Oh, no, your first appointment in postpartum. Oh, six weeks. Okay, so basically the baby blues probably set in right after and you didn't really have a chance to talk to her about No, at all. Like I I for six weeks I had no like nobody technically to just kind of even check if I'm okay, right? So what was happened so what happened was I had to wait until I was somewhat I guess for the six weeks they wait till you're healed or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um one of the other reasons why I was gravitating towards a midwife for the second pregnancy is because they do home visits within those six weeks, which to me was crucial crucial because maybe if I had that support first pregnancy I would have kept breastfeeding because I stopped after six weeks. When my baby was six weeks I stopped breastfeeding because I just didn't know where to go from there. I didn't know how to increase my milk intake. I I didn't have, I couldn't spend a lot of time on Google because I was just busy tending to him that that part, I kind of missed so much information. Wow. And so, when, after you gave birth and you're still in the hospital, did the nurses or OB give you any guidance on breastfeeding? No. I went uh so what they offer is basically um I guess they have a lactation unit in the hospital that I gave birth in and I went there and it's just like a like a 10 minute consultation where they just tell you well you know what your baby's latching like blah 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 blah. and I asked all my questions I feel like that helped me a little bit but then being like having no support within that first I would say month like fourth trimester was support is everything you need Hmm. to know maybe to try different things and I don't have a lot of mom friends right so to me that again I felt alone in that sense so I wasn't sure what was going on and like what I was doing wrong and I didn't know if he was um, lactose you know how some babies have like lactose they're intolerant lactose intolerant so uh, while they're breastfeeding they just become fidgety at, at the boob he was doing that but I didn't know what was that so when I would Google and they would say lactose intolerance, I would try to stop milk. Basically, I try to do a lot on my own. And I feel like I failed in that sense because there's just too much going on. My, my, I had I had a hard nine months and then comes this baby that now I have to like, like I'm scared because he's my first. So everything is scaring me. And then also not having enough milk, everything. Yeah, it was just hard. <laughs> and like... 
this is one of the things I don't want you to feel like you failed because the thing is you shouldn't have to do all this research to get answers like you should have yeah. had so much more support in that and I think that's one of the things I keep trying to remind myself as I'm like building the directory I also want it to be an educational resource where yeah, moms and parents can find anything they need because you can spend hours researching and get so many different opinions so true and it's like you're like doomed if you do and you're doomed if you don't like it's it's kind of just like well the one thing that they I guess you won't find in the research is that you know what mom like follow your gut instinct Mm. whatever you feel like is right then do that and I feel like that's not communicated enough to us like in the sense of like just be confident in the choices you make for your baby and like with time you build that but within the first month of being a new mom and still in the healing process figuring out the the breastfeeding aspect of things baby is not sleeping so technically you're getting if you're lucky four hours of sleep that entire night right yeah which is hard and then you go from like having baby blues or like even experiencing postpartum and all that on your own and having nowhere to turn to yeah. To me, I feel like that's so, it's like a critical stage where you could easily fall into a dark hole because you're like, okay, well, I don't know what I'm doing. And everybody else seems like they have it figured out. Well, why don't I have it figured out? Mm. Yeah. And I think in a way, social media can help, but it can also make things worse as well because you're seeing all these other different opinions mm-hmm. on yeah. Instagram and Facebook. Like, well, she looks like she has everything together. So like, how do I get to that point? Or, you know, she, she sleep trains, but I don't want to sleep train. So maybe I should sleep train because she does it. And yeah, yeah, it's just, yeah. Like you said, that gut instinct, it's not advocated for early on in the pregnancy. Yeah, it's really not. That sleep training thing was also something that was like, that caused me so much stress because I felt like it was like, the it thing to do for your baby mm. so I miss a lot of cuddle times and like just times of just like holding my baby and just enjoying being with him because I was so focused on like okay let me sleep train him so in the long run is he sleeps better and it helps his brain develop a little bit more as of now well for right now with my second baby I'm able to just be in the moment like I'm able to just you know he slept for 20 minutes instead of 30 minutes that's okay Mm -hmm. like I'm able to sit there and just be present with him yes I I do want to sleep train I lightly sleep train him but I do it with my comfort as opposed to with Zaid I felt like I had to follow every single information that was provided to me for sleep training I love that yeah I love that (laughs) You said like now you're just in the moment like you accept it as it is and you'll just go at yeah. your own pace to get to that point yeah yeah, yeah definitely it, I feel like also like with Zaid like I was like couldn't go outside because I'm like well you know what if I leave in like an hour it's his nap time I won't have time to come back home mm-hmm. like I was just too much in the google mindset mindset but with with Zian I'm just like you know what I know what's right for my baby I know how I want this to work. Like, I know what works for my family and I'm just going to go ahead and do that. And I wish that information was provided to me enough where I felt confident with Zaid to do the same. Yeah. Right. So with Zaid, the one thing is now I realize he's not like, he's not a cuddly person because he's just so used to sleeping on his own. So I'll like, kiss me goodnight and that's that. Like, I'll try to cuddle him and he'll he'll just slowly like move my hand away. He'll still be close enough to me, but he'll just like move my arm and just be like, I'm good, you know? 
<laughs> very independent <laughs> yeah maybe too independent because I'm like just cuddle me sometimes <laughs> yeah. and just be like no mama it's okay and that's like the sleep training and and sometimes I say or maybe you didn't cuddle him enough when he was a baby that now he just doesn't have like what it takes to do that like again mom guilt is so real right like it's present in every single thing you do mm. it is and so one of the things I wanted you to, to ask you, I didn't realize that you had a midwife for your second pregnancy. I would love for you to talk about some of the major differences that I didn't because um, I didn't end up having one because I was in the middle of a pandemic and I was in Ottawa. So I had to find the first thing available to me. My midwife was from Toronto. So when I first um, got pregnant, I actually went to a midwife right away because I felt like I needed that support even after birth. Like, I didn't just want those doctor visits that were just, like, 10, 20 minutes, and then you're done. Yeah. So I went to go, uh, I found a midwife here, and everything was going great, amazing. Like, she was following me. She put me on baby aspirin, like, right off the bat. Like, she was on top of it all. And I love the chats that we could have Mm -hmm. instead of just, like, okay, come in and fill up this form, and now you're going to go. You're good to go, right? <laughs> so with her, it was more of like, it was very more personal in the sense of like, well, do you want to talk? Like, is there anything that's on your mind? Like we had genuine conversations in those, sorry, in those 10 minutes yeah. that made a world of difference for me to walk out of that appointment feeling like I felt confident. Mm. But the thing that happened was I went to Ottawa right before the lockdown, the first lockdown. So going to Ottawa being on lockdown my family was like and I also felt like it was just best for me to stay where I was instead of traveling and at that point Toronto had a lot more cases than Ottawa did Mm -hmm. so I said okay I'm pregnant it's a lot safer for me to stay where I am right yeah so I had my kids like my husband was there it was just it was just better for us to stay there with my family and quarantine altogether so because I was there I tried to look for a midwife but everybody was already booked and then I had to go with my, a friend of mine actually referred me to her OB and I went, luckily that doctor was able to take me and I was able to get followed by OBGYN, but she was amazing. Like she was incredible. Again, like those appointments felt like everything to me compared to my first, but uh, my first experience with that. It was just a world of a difference. Yeah, that's incredible. So did you end up having, I'm assuming a vaginal birth with uh, your second as well? Yeah, vaginal for ZM too, yeah. And everything went great? Everything was amazing. Everything was easy. Like, I actually ended up getting, asking to be discharged that same night because um, I just missed Zaid and I felt like this was my first time being away from him. So one night was okay. And I was like, I just wanted to be home, to be comfortable around my family. I didn't want to be like in the hospital in that moment, I just needed to be close to my loved ones because of everything that was going on was already scary enough, right? Yeah. So they made sure I was okay. They checked everything they needed to check. And I get I had Zian at 7.20 a.m. in the morning and I got discharged at 9 p.m. that night. Wow, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I'm good. I did good. I'm ready to go home. <laughs> Compared to Zayn where I was like, can I just stay in the hospital for another week? (laughs) Can you guys just accept me like as one of your inpatient? (laughs) Yeah, 
incredible. I'm really glad that you you were able to find a good OBGYN for your second pregnancy because of COVID and everything. Yeah, that was amazing. It was just like, it's like everything just worked out with with Zian and I'm so grateful for it because I was so scared when I got pregnant the second time around that I was going to go through everything I went through the first time. But everything was just easy. So thank God for that. Absolutely. And what did you get baby blues with after giving birth to Zian at all? So what I had with Zian, I, I don't know if it was baby blues, like maybe something in between. I don't know, like I, I wouldn't know what to label it because with Zade baby blues, I would just cry, like constantly be sad, but it didn't affect the way I was with him, mm. the way I felt like I was connected with him. But with Zian, I just couldn't connect with him. Like, I don't know what it was. And like, I would kind of just go through the motions of being his care like I would take care of him I would feed him breastfeed him but there was nothing in me that was like oh this is my baby I need to protect him and like I didn't feel that I don't know what it was honestly and maybe it was just heightened baby boost I don't know exactly I didn't feel sad I just felt numb I just felt completely yeah I just felt numb to everything that was going on like I had him and that was okay now I had him and my husband did most of the taking care of again he was amazingly supportive with that like he would wake up at night and like feed him and I didn't have mom guilt you know what I mean like I don't know what it was and as he got older and I felt like I started he started interacting with me back is when I developed that attachment Mm. and oh yeah okay like I'm supposed to feel like this I know I'm supposed to feel like this I, I was too scared to even mention that to anybody. My, even my husband didn't know about this until I recently shared that with my Instagram. And I was like, well, this is how I felt when I had Zian. And it was a shock even to him because I just didn't talk about it. I felt ashamed to even say it out loud, you know, mm-hmm. to be like, well, I, I carried this baby for nine months, but now I don't connect with him. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, this is just a, like me thinking do you think it could have been because your first pregnancy was full of stress and fear that how do I word it like I I think I know where you're I've thought about that (laughs) where basically I felt like Zian didn't need me Mm. you know what I mean Like he needed me, yes, of course like to take care of him breastfeed him to to nurture him and stuff like that but I felt like he didn't need me the way Zade needed me because Zade was so small that he needed me to help him grow but Zian was an amazingly big baby like I'm a petite person right like and for for me he was big like my my belly was huge and even now like I feel like one side of my body is numb because of constantly carrying him but it fills my heart up with joy because I'm like at least you're not small like Zade was small right (laughs) so I think that's what it was I think it was it was maybe I didn't feel as needed as I did with Zaid. Yeah. If that makes sense. Maybe trying, it was, maybe it was difficult to find that balance because you were so used to the first one, which was like anxiety and fear, constant need. And then this one, which was just chill. Like, yeah, exactly. And I didn't know how to switch between the two mm-hmm. because I was like, wait, I went from like feeding and like Zian is very like, even like at five months, he's so like on his own time. Like he's like, <laughs> If I want to eat, I'm going to let you know I want to eat, right? So with Zade, I would feed him every two hours and he would just 
take it. Mm-hmm. With Zian, I'll try, like, I tried feeding him every two hours and he would just push it back with his tongue to be like, not the time. And then I tried every three hours and he was like, still not now, mama. <laughs> and then I tried a four hours and he's like, okay, we can work with this. But sometimes he's still like, no, I don't want milk, you know? Okay. So I go this time. He runs me pretty much. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> I love that. All right. So one of the last questions I have for you is what um, advice would you give to new moms? I know that you've experienced a lot, but if you had to give one advice to new moms, what would it be? Oh, honestly, um, I would say like, just do your, just do the research that you uh, I don't know how to word this, like do the research that fits your personality, right? Because yes, we're all, pregnancy is not all the same because when you're a new mom, you're going to think that, oh, okay, every pregnancy is the same, which is what I thought. I was thought, okay, well, my sister had an amazing first pregnancy. That means I'll have an amazing first pregnancy, but that's not the case. Yeah. Every case is different. So the one thing I would say, honestly, is just don't be afraid to ask questions even if it takes like an extra 20 minutes of the doctor's time ask your questions don't be afraid because at the end of the day when you give birth you are the sole responsible for this baby so you want to have all the information and all the knowledge that you need in order to take care of that baby yeah exactly so not only be ready but be prepared for having a baby which means like figure out if you want to sleep train if you don't, that's perfectly fine. It's never too late. You can even sleep train a two-year-old. Mm. There's, there's no time on it, right? Um, I would say, like, try to see and, like, be prepared for breastfeeding because you might not have milk right away. So, like, find out how you can um, increase your milk. Like, there's teas you can drink. There's cookies you can drink. So maybe have those already ready at home just in case. Mm. I would just say be prepared. Like, just be you can never be too prepared. So just have everything you need and just do your research, but go with what you feel is comfortable to you and your baby, mm. right? Take the advice online that you find that works for you. Even mm. if it's the one that has the least likes, go with that one because that's what your gut feels comfortable with. Yeah, I love that. Cause I think a lot of times, <laughs> parents see everyone doing one type of thing and they're like okay I have to do that one thing even if it doesn't align with me at all (laughs) that was me that was me I wish I didn't I wasn't so hard I started sleep training Zaid when he was three months come on he was a baby like there were times where I like I, I I would find out that hey let him cry it out I would let my baby cry out when he was three months because I felt like that's what I needed to do you know what I mean and I would just go into that room some days and I'd be like, no, I'm not doing this. Like, it doesn't feel right. Like I'm sitting in the living room crying and he's in the room crying. Let's just cry together, you know? (laughs) So so I would just say, honestly, go with your gut. Like God just puts like such a mom instinct in you. The moment you have your baby, nobody else knows what's right for that baby, but you and feel confident with that. Yeah. No, I love that. Thank you for sharing that. I think it's super. No problem. And I think that's it. I want to thank you so much for coming on and talking about this. It's super important. I had no idea that you would do all of this. it's my pleasure thank you so much for having me and I feel like honestly if my story can help even one person then hey it's it's a reason to share right like it's worth even even just one person it might not be two but even that one person 
you did something for that person that you wish someone could have done for you when you were in, in those shoes. We want to thank Ayan again for coming on and sharing her experience through her pregnancy and postpartum journey, especially during COVID. Like, this is a crazy time. And we appreciate her holding this space and just coming on and giving us her honest, real life experience of what she's gone through and what she would recommend for others out there. If you are interested in reaching out to Ayan, you can find her at Instagram at underscore Miriam Ion. And she is just so lovely and more than happy to talk to you about whatever you need. And also, if you are interested in coming on the podcast, please come on. We need your stories if you have one. You can email us at hello at theonuscollaborative.com to set up a date and time. We would love to have you on. And thanks so much for listening. We'll see you all next week. Bye.